It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. The latest consumer price index numbers show that inflation is still climbing despite the Fed's efforts leading many to suspect the United States is moving toward an economic recession if we're not in one already as polling overwhelmingly shows the top issues for voters are the economy and inflation. This as President Biden stated over the weekend the U.S. economy is quote strong as hell. I'm not concerned about the transfer of dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. As the 2022 midterm elections are just weeks away, three actually, an update on the Fox News power rankings show Republicans are inching their way closer to victory in the House by making gains on the West Coast, even though some hope remains for Democrats to stay in power. It's slim, according to the polls, as you look at the power rankings. For this and more, we bring in our panel, former Democratic Tennessee congressman and co-host of The Five, Harold Ford Jr., and the co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics, Tom Bevan. Tom, uh, it, it does seem like the polls have shifted. Um, it, you know, you look at all of these and the dynamic seems to go back to the mean, which is economy, 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 sprinkle in a little crime and a little immigration. And you have a situation that Republicans are poised to pick up seats. Yes. I mean, there, there's just no question. And look, this is, <clears throat> you know, what we're seeing is, is the fundamentals of this race really sort of asserting themselves. And it was clear from, from, Early on, months ago, even before the Dobbs decision, the economy was the number one issue for a majority of voters, certainly Republicans, but also independents. And I think Democrats with the Dobbs decision sort of went off uh, and and thought that that was going to be a game changer for this election. I mean, it did help excite their base. There's no question about that. But the problem is, while they've been sort of almost exclusively focused on the issue of abortion, if you look around the country at the ads that are running and the mailers that are going out, it's all about abortion. They've come across as as sort of out of touch. And, and you know, you mentioned this in your program the other night, Brett, it, you know, it's listening to Michael Bennett try and answer a question about, you know, why the Inflation Reduction Act hasn't actually reduced inflation or Raphael Warnock getting questioned uh, and saying that it, we're still in the throes of the pandemic. I mean, Democrats are woefully ill prepared. They should be well prepared to talk about the economy and, and have a a message that at least says to voters, number one, I feel your pain. Number two, we're doing things about it. Number three, Republicans aren't helping. They're standing in the way, but they're not even doing that. And so they find themselves sort of, you know, isolated and and off on the wrong track here when the economy inflation uh, 
as you mentioned, crime, immigration as well, but are all sort of coming to bear. And Republicans have huge advantages on those issues uh, heading into, to, you know, as we're getting close to the vote. Yeah, Harold, President Biden out um, today with a an abortion event in which he said that uh, if you give me Democrats in control of both chambers, I will give you um, a the first bill uh, to codify Roe v. Wade. Um, it seems like that card is where they're going heavily as you close in on Election Day. Look, I, I have to agree with, with both you and Ben, because I'm sorry, you and you and uh, Tom, because you're right. The and the question becomes, is that enough to, to win the election? You look at the turnout, which I think is going to be big on both sides. And it's looking now like it could be bigger uh, on the on the Republican side. Can Democrats offset it? Uh, I think the other message that Democrats will We'll, we'll think they uh, will we'll hope that voters find interesting and, and connect with voters is whether or not you're willing to to give on the, on the, whether it's the choice issue, uh, whether it's issues involving uh, spending, whether it's issues involving spending, meaning you cut back on spending to communities that may need it. Do you want to give the entire uh, Congress and Senate to to Republicans? And I say that in this context, I think those who believe and say that Democrats are too liberal and too extreme. Certainly there are elements of our party that I disagree with, and I find their politics to be on a small level. Uh, I'm opposed to on a bigger level. I find it obnoxious. Uh, had it not been for a Democrat named Joe Manchin, uh, there'd been a lot more things done. I think the question that Republicans, and if I were Democrats, if I were in the ballot, what I'd be asking, are there Republicans who will stand up uh, to some of the extreme elements of the Republican Party when it comes to social issues, when it comes to governance issues, when it comes to issues involving the economy or taxes. Uh, you know, you think of I think of one tangible example, Brett and Tom, which I, I've not heard Republicans really acknowledge or talk seriously about. Uh, Brett, you mentioned it on a show, I think maybe a week or so ago, but you have two competing Republican visions for what happens if they take the majority. You have Rick Scott that has a plan uh, that raises taxes because it says we ought to have tax, a tax on every American. Uh, and two, you have the, 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 the plan that Mr. McCarthy has put forward, which says that they are opposed to the prescription drug uh, negotiations that will reduce the cost of drugs starting in a few years. So if I think if you're Democrats, you have to begin to lay these things out uh, and give voters uh, the choice. But I can't quarrel with you as it relates to inflation and relates to some of the, the other issues. Uh, Democrats aren't speaking to that, I think, as clearly uh, as they should. And the question becomes whose turnout uh, will be bigger. Uh, here over the next few weeks. Yeah, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was on MSNBC with Andrea Mitchell and uh, was asked specifically of this in a, in a pretty tough interview, actually, um, about this New York Times Siena poll, which suggested that independent women were leaving Democrats and going Republican, uh, Tom, on a host of issues, inflation being number one of them, but also crime, uh, which is getting up there as far as importance. Uh, and Speaker Pelosi said that she thought that was an outlier and uh, didn't didn't factor in um but and did you hear if, what andrea if, mitchell said what she said in response she said it's in the real clear politics average <laughs> there you go which was funny I mean, what yeah. greater uh, you've got exactly you know, name recognition <clears throat> on all kinds of channels tom the um i think there is this sense that you know it's it's already baked in the cake but we have three weeks and it depends on who turns out and elections aren't done until the voters make the decision we always say that but it's true 
No, it's absolutely true. And look, I will agree with Nancy Pelosi on it was a it was a fairly small sample size. That doesn't mean it's an outlier. But the idea that maybe that independent women have shifted 32 points in a month, you know, has it been with without some sort of precipitating event? I mean, maybe not. That's why I say you don't look at an individual poll that you can quarrel with some of the things, the internals. You That's why you look at the average and see where the trends are heading and the trends. You know, <clears throat> if you want to quarrel with uh, the New York Times Siena poll, I think it was showing like a like a five or six point shift over the last month toward Republicans. You know, you can look at a host of other polls that are all showing the same thing. There's no question that as 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 voters have dialed in and looked at the candidates. And now we, we've had some debates uh, between some of the uh, candidates and particularly in Senate races. We're going to have a big one uh, next week in, in Pennsylvania. You know, voters are, are sort of making they are assessing the choice that's going to be in front of them. And and uh, there's no question that Republicans have the upper hand in this election for all sorts of reasons. I mean, you go again, fundamentals, you go back to eight percent inflation, four dollar gas. Joe Biden's job approval ratings at 43 percent overall. But in some of these swing states, it's thirty nine or 40 percent in Georgia and Arizona, and Nevada um, and, you know, New Hampshire. Um the right track, wrong direction number. I mean, the, the public is in a pretty foul mood. They don't think the country's going in the right direction. So, you know, whatever metric you choose to look at, they're all sort of pointing in the same direction. And the question now is just, you know, how bad is it going to be for the Democrats? And I think they, they're, they're going to make it worse for themselves if they spend the last three weeks, again, talking about abortion, talking about January 6th committee, talking about all these things that the voters have been telling pollsters for months that they don't care about or they care about much, much less than they do the issues, issues of the economy. And so in that sense, it is the, the, the cake is kind of baked. And maybe some of these candidates in some of these individual races uh, are going to fare better than others and, and will do a better job of, of, you know, honing their message in these final days. But, boy, the overall dynamics of the selection are, are pretty set right now. And it looks like, it, you know, the train is pretty far down the tracks. Yeah. And just let me start with you, Tom. For, hold, go ahead, Harold. No, I think, look, so Tom, I don't, I don't disagree with you, but, but here's the thing. We're three weeks out. Five weeks ago, the trend was heading towards, towards Democrats. So I, I would hope, well, actually would hope that Republicans take the approach that you've just outlined there, because I think it benefits, I think it benefits Democrats. This thing is fluid. It could absolutely move. You think about what the Fed is doing and how markets are reacting. Ordinarily, when the Fed raises rates this, this much, the market reacts as well as not only the, the, the stock market and equity markets react, but the actual job market reacts. This is a recession. I happen to think we, we're slightly in one, but it's a recession unlike any before in terms of job openings, the fact that unemployment is down, the fact that wages are where they are. So we could very well be entering you know, in, in a strange kind of political mode as well. I don't think you can underestimate the fact that Biden says, I'm going to codify Roe v. Wade. They're not, they're not acting in a vacuum. You know, they're looking at poll numbers just like we are as well. And your acknowledgement about the poll number, about the outlier, I happen to think it's crime and the border that's driving this as much, if not more so, than inflation. Mm -hmm. Because if inflation alone were the issue, people wouldn't be spending as much. I mean, you've seen the last month's economic numbers. That doesn't look like a recession. That doesn't look like those numbers, the spending numbers, and the, meaning the consumption numbers of the country uh, and the, the number of. Uh, you look at the, the bank accounts, the savings accounts, the six, seven largest banks in the country, they're still elevated, certainly more elevated than they would be in a recession. So I only say it to say I don't mean to suggest that, look, Republicans don't have an advantage as we head into this, these final weeks here. But I think it would be foolhardy uh, for any party to think three weeks out that somehow another, this down. thing is over. 
Yeah, I will say this. I moderated a a business council event out in California uh, with 146 CEOs from around the country and took polls real time, you know, and they they basically voted in. um, And 89% of them uh, believe that we are in or headed to a recession that is going to be fairly substantial uh, in the next three to 12 months. And... um, they're just overall the from these are from the CEOs from the biggest Amazon and Microsoft to, you know, Chevron and, and Exxon and others. Uh, they feel fairly pessimistic about the state of the U.S. economy. That's just CEOs looking at that. We'll hear from our panel after this. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. What I wanted to ask you, Tom, was that these individual races, um, you know, when you see a Raphael Warnock in Georgia, incumbent senator at 46 percent, or a Mark Kelly at 47%. And they are leading in these individual polls by four or five points. But undecideds are at 10, 12 points. You know, in an environment like this, if it stays like this, to Harold's point, the late deciders would shift, one would think, to the opposing party that's throwing people out. Exactly. And that's that's part of the you know, we just got another poll in Georgia right now showing the race tied. It looks like all this stuff about Herschel Walker, the personal baggage stuff didn't really hurt him at all, Um, which is not surprising in an environment like this where everyone is so, so tribal, so split. The partisanship is so strong that Republicans actually rallied around Herschel Walker. And, And the more important thing, I think, to your point is we've had three consecutive polls in Georgia right now that have Warnock at 46. And that is not, I mean, that is a major red flag for an incumbent. It suggests a ceiling and it suggests that, uh, you know, if he can't get those numbers up, that any of those folks who are undecided, again, these are all likely voter polls. So pollsters are pushing people, trying to get them to to say, uh, not not say that they're undecided. And and if he can only get to 46 in, in these polls three weeks before election day, you got to think that that benefits Republicans and Herschel Walker. I and just, by the way, in Georgia, back, it makes a, a specific difference, because if they don't get to 50, it goes to a exactly, runoff. So we, runoff. Could, right. we could see what we saw before, which is the balance of power in the U.S. Senate coming down to one race in Georgia. Yeah, I, I just if I could respond to what Harold said earlier, Harold, I mean, listen, I think. It's what voters are telling pollsters is that the economy matters the most to them. I mean, this is this is what they're this is not me making this up or Republicans saying the economy is the most important. This is what what voters are saying. I totally agree with you. Crimes in the mix. And certainly that has been the case in places like the Wisconsin Senate race, Pennsylvania Senate race. I think uh, immigration is, is up there. But the problem is, you know, Democrats have put all their eggs in the abortion basket. And again, it motivates their base. I get it. That's fine. But Tom, they need a motivated base. What are they going to say? What are they going to say when they get asked about inflation? What are they going to say? The Inflation Reduction Act was passed, and yet it's not reducing inflation. So they don't answer it. Well, I I will say, you know, we have a piece on on Real Clear Politics today from um, Robert Kuttner at the American Prospect, and he links to 
You know, Stanley Greenberg's given Democrats advice on this. Mike Lux, who's a Democratic strategist, wrote a great memo, I thought. And he said, laid out, listen, we can't avoid the issue. It's the it's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. And so our messaging should be, as I kind of said earlier, listen, we've done X, Y and Z to help with inflation. It's a big problem. We understand that. Number one, we've done these things. We want to do these other things. And Republicans aren't helping. Republicans have voted against all of this stuff. And so, you know. It may not be the best message, but but it's better than saying nothing or uh, ignoring ahead, it or focus on something else. I agree, but 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 Brett. So Brett, the last one thing on the on the on those the CEOs, and I I I, uh, I don't traffic to the extent you do with them, but to the, when I listen to them talk as well, they don't blame Democrats or Republicans. Some of them no blame no no, they're just saying they what it is. Fed. No, yeah, no, but they, they but, do. So if I were Democrats, I would tack on the, what what Tom just said about we've tried to do all these things. Obviously, COVID happened. We spent a lot of money. Anybody didn't think we should should not have spent should stand up. Two-thirds of the money was actually appropriated under President Trump. We did what we were supposed to do, and President Trump was right. Now we find ourselves in a bind because, frankly, the Fed didn't act fast enough. So Democrats, whatever the answer is, Tom, I think I think there's a lot of what you're saying is right. Democrats, where I agree 100 percent, they have a they have a crappy message right now in that they don't really have an answer. Now, I think they're individual candidates. Tim Ryan and some others are trying to fashion some answers to some of these things. But I would agree with you overall. It's uh, uh, it's 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 not quite there. My only point about the the crime and and, and the, the, the border is that. I think on inflation, without question, it's an issue. But you're a numbers guy, uh, Tom. The numbers when it comes to each month is we're looking at what consumption is in the country. It's high. You go in any restaurant in the country, you still, pe- still, still see people going out. You still see people in the grocery store. That doesn't mean it's not painful, but that's not a, that's not a traditional kind of recession. So I think the crime and border, the fact that you know Democrats should be saying we passed a police bill that no Republican voted for. When it comes to violence in our schools, we passed a mental health services bill, bill just last or two weeks ago to fully fund mental health services in schools. Only one Republican voted for it. And Republicans, I think, are right when they say in Congress after a shooting that we've ha- we need mental health services in schools. We need that, I think, and a few things more. But when given the opportunity to vote for that, they didn't. So we're saying a lot of the same things. Tom. We, the main thing we're saying is the Democrats don't seem to have a coherent cohesive, compelling, consistent message here on the two or three things that I think matter most to voters. The one thing they do have a message on is abortion. And we'll see if yeah. all I'm saying is we'll see if that if that turnout number is, is, is as big as some Democrats are projecting. And last thing, Tom, I mean, one of the problems may be that their key person delivering a message who has a podium every day doesn't really do it that effectively. And is not the best messenger uh, to stick to the script or to get through a script. Well, yeah. and it's totally fair. I mean, he's he 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 just went on a campaign swing and he went to Colorado, California, and Oregon. Okay, I mean that tells you everything. You know, Tim Ryan in that debate against JD Vance is running as fast and as far away from Joe Biden as he can possibly get. Uh, and that's you know, Mark Kelly did that in his debate with Blake Masters on the border. I mean, so it, it's a problem. I will also note a story. Uh, I think it was this morning. So Barack Obama's hitting the trail and he's going to go to Atlanta. Uh, he's going to go to Milwaukee. But what caught Detroit. my attention is he's going to Detroit. Now, the last few polls we've seen out of Michigan in the governor's race have that a four or five point race. And I don't think Barack Obama will be going to Detroit uh, unless there was some serious concern that that could be an upset uh, in three weeks. So keep an eye on that race, just based now, on the if fact he goes that to Obama's Connecticut, going we're going to stop the press. 
<laughs> exactly. To Connecticut, it's all it's all over. <laughs> well, boys, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's going to be a fascinating three weeks. Um, now for a bit of history. October 18th, 1867, the United States purchased the territory of Alaska from Russia for the price of $7.2 million. Alaska, there you go. Many viewed the move as a waste of taxpayer dollars. The purchase would come to be known as... The name Seward's Folly, after the man who made the purchase, Secretary of State William H. Seward. Ninety-two years later, in January of 1959, Alaska would be admitted to the Union as the 49th state. Every year on October 18th, Alaskans celebrate Alaska Day. Happy Alaska Day. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com, wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Harold and Tom, I'm Brett Baer. See you next time. Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.